want to share with you tonight an incredible story. It's one of my favorite stories, and um, it really highlights the otherworldly connection that a tzaddik has with every single Jew, especially the Moshe Rabbeinu, the Moses of the generation, connection with literally every single Jew, even Jews who you think have, um, have no connection at all. The story takes us back to uh, 1958. 1958, there was a uh, man named David Avram Nisselbaum. He lived in Kfar Chabad, and he shared a story personally, his own personal story, about a cousin of his wife, whose name was Yaakov Zerubavah. Yaakov Zerubavah was part of a uh, leftist Israeli uh, political faction, which was called Poletzion Hasmolit. He worked, uh, while still in Poland, together with Ben-Gurion and Mansvi and others, who were at the top of the uh, political party. And not only did he um, work there in Poland, but he uh, managed to uh, guide the party significantly. He connected uh, the party with Another another faction, Tnual Achtut Avodah, which eventually joined with another political faction called Hashomer Atzair, which is much more famous, and which was a source of uh, Mapam, and eventually this led to the birth of the Israeli uh, political group, which is very famous, Meretz, which is very anti-religious, anti-Jewish, anti-God. And uh, he was, Yaakov Zerbovel was actually um, very influential in a very sad um, part of our history, Olei Teman. Many uh, Jews who immigrated to Israel from Yemen, they, as soon as they um, came to Yemen, the, uh, sorry, soon as the, the, the Israel sent to Yemen, um, people to tell the uh, very naive, uh, very trusting souls in Yemen about how their children should come with them to Israel, and they're in Israel, they'll be taken care of, and they'll be given an oppor- opportunities. And as soon as these boys and girls arrived in Yemen, in Israel, unfortunately the, uh, the, uh, the um, very left-wing anti-religious uh, groups tried to indoctrinate them into their philosophy and their ideology. And this, Yaakov Zerbabel was involved. I mean, I mean, like, literally, there was this, this I don't know what's documented, what's not documented, what's true, what's not true, what's exaggerated. But the way I always heard the story is that Israel, unfortunately, allowed children, as soon as they arrived in Israel, cutting off their payas, taking off their tzitzis, telling them there's all fairy tales. And this famous discussion about um, Israel actually telling parents that their children died, and not and and for many many years, uh, it, it is there is a lot of classified information about many of the children that came from Yemen to Israel that uh, parents don't know. They, told, they they were told their children died and they didn't die, and they're, they're just that Israel didn't want the children to go back to the old ways of their parents. 
And therefore they told the parents that the children died. So this Yaakov Zerubbabel, he was highly influential in this, uh, in this activity. And um, he had this, this Chabad cousin, um, David Abram Lisselbein. David Abram Lisselbein didn't have too much to do with this cousin of his wife's. But every year before Passover, he would go and bring him matzah. Matzah is called the food of faith. And this man who was not known to be very full of faith, he probably thought he needs an extra dosage of, of matzah. So he would visit him every year. They had a friendly relationship. He never tried to engage him in discussions of religious matters because Yaakov's rebuttal was very antagonistic. He was, he was, he was a, a, a gifted author. In fact, he was the librarian of, um, of the, uh, of, of, of the, uh, merits, of the, uh, the, the name of their, um, archives. He was, he was the master of the archives, uh, of Sifriyata Poalim. That's the name of the archives of their books. Merits believed that early on that they're putting out publications that, um, that, that, are, uh, express their ideology and their doctrine and their propaganda, they'll be able to influence um, segments of the population to go along with their with their um, uh, heretical beliefs. So he was the secretary of the archives. He was such a in- intellectual person that um, this this simple chassid from Kfar Chabad, didn't feel like he was able to uh, engage with him intellectually, and he didn't try. And he, um, he, he was teaching in this little village in Israel, uh, Moshev Barosh. And, uh, he would visit him once a year and bring him, and bring him matzah. And as a faithful chassid, he would write to the Rebbe about his various things he would do. And he wrote also about his visit to this, um, this, this, um, noted author, Yaakov Zerubaba. So, he received a very unusual letter. The most unusual thing about this story I'm telling you is that it's a true story. If you actually read the letter, which I'm going to read you, read you right now. Um, I'm reading you from the original copy of the letter. It's a little hard for me to read it because it's, well, it's, 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 um, it's hard to read the, the way I have it over here. But it's printed in the Rebbe's letters as well. I don't have it with me. I'm going to try to read, read to you um, the original letter. Um, this is in, spa, in response to David Avram's letter to the Rebbe about his meeting with Yaakov Zerbabel. After a very long interval, I received your letter, and I was gratified to read about your activities in the, this past uh, month of Tishrei. Since you write that time, from, time to time you visit with Mr. Zerbabel, certainly you know his power of influence is very great. And therefore, you should use your meeting with him to inspire him. And since his activities are in a negative, because he got very used to doing this, and um, and not because he meditated. Uh, now, and he came to a conclusion that he has to act this way, it, it wasn't because he, he came to this conclusion through deep thought, rather it was because he got used to this habit. So if you will inspire him time after time um, without um, 
uh, without um, stopping, or continuously, time after time, whenever you meet him, to tell, tell him about the great destruction and damage he is causing through what his activities and how he could use his, his, his talents um, I could use his talents to, to in, in the positive uh, to add goodness to the world in general and especially to add goodness to Jewish people so in the end your world your words will be effective because truth must truth must always be victorious truth must always be victorious and uh, so therefore, if, if you continuously speak to him again and again, truth will be victorious, although it may take time. It's understood that um, when you talk to him about this, the greatest opposition will be that the, it says in the beginning of the Code of Jewish Law, a person should not be embarrassed from those who scorn them. So it's understood that um, it'll be hard for Zerubbabel, in other words, to change his ways because it's, it's hard. It's, 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 uh, he's going to, have to, going to have to contend with the embarrassment that this may bring him. However, if he will meditate about his path until now, and when he will come to the opposite conclusion, and he will publicize this without any excuse, it may be very, very embarrassing. However, as I hear, as is known, the way, the way Zerubbabel, the Rebbe writes to, um, this cousin of his, Mr. Um, Lisselbaum, the way Zerubbabel's acted, he doesn't really care about what public opinion is. He's very outspoken. He's not, doesn't care what people say about him. And if in the negative he does this, he doesn't care to say things which are very against what people think, how much more so, should he use his courage in the positive? And uh, and he could and he's able, he could say whatever I told you till now I made a mistake. He could do this. Now Bishem's will that you also should not be embarrassed, and you should speak to him, to him about all the above, and tell him the truth, and tell him also this is this is what's unbelievable. Tell him words that come from the heart, which you promise words that come from the heart enter the heart. And it's also, you also have permission to tell him that I'm asking you to tell him this. And you also could add to him that You could also add to him the following. Here's, here's unbelievable. Listen to this. You could also add to him the following. You have also had doubts, but you've tried to silence your doubts. And as soon as they come into your mind, your doubts about your opinion, until now, you push them out of your mind. And, and, uh, the nature of people is that, um, that when something comes that will force them to change their, 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 their path in life, uh, which requires a lot of courage, so people try to push out of their mind. But because you have influence on many, that means when you fix up yourself, that will, your, your, influ- your, your correcting yourself will, 
will cause, in, it will, will, your, your correction of yourself will have impact that's double and quadrupled among all those that you are connected to. You have to not be, not to, um, you have to be courageous and, 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 and go forward. Um, and Ebba adds to him and says that a sign that, um, a oisul meifis, a sign that this is the time for you to make this decision is the dream. A oisul meifis, a kreveha now, a sign that to your relative, the time has come to, to make this courageous move is, what's a sign? Is the dream that you had right before your visit. It was right, tell your relative, tell Mr. Zerubbabel that the reason why now is the time that you should make, you should, you should listen to all those voices in your head and actually make the move is because of the dream, a sign this is the time, is a dream that you had recently. And, yeah, that's the sign. That's, that's what you should tell him. Okay. So that's the words that writes to this to this Mr. Um, uh, Rabbi Avondav David Avram Lisselbein. It's a very powerful, unusual letter. I don't know if another occasion they ever told told someone pay attention to the dream you had lately, but that's there told him, and he asks him to go and and share this with him and tell him he has permission to say the Rebbe sent me, but Rabbi Lisselbein didn't do it. He didn't do it because it was a hard thing to do. And he put it off. He didn't decide not to do it, but he just put it off. He didn't want to do it. But something negative happened in his family. He doesn't say what it was. Because this negative event that happened in his family, he attributed this negative occurrence with his resistance to follow the Rebbe's instruction. And so he immediately decided he has to, he has to do his mission. This mission that was given to him by the Rebbe, he has to go do this. And he calls up Mr. Zerubbabel. He says to him, I have a mission for you from the Rebbe. Okay, please, I want to hear what it is. Please come over to my office. So he comes over to Mr. Zerubbabel's office. He had an office in this government um, place called Beit Haistadrut. And he comes to the office. And Mr. Zerubbabel stands up, which is unusual. He's always very scornful about anything religious. He says, And he says, please tell me, the, uh, what the Rebbe says. He said, so instead of telling him what the Rebbe said, he said, I, I choose to just read you the letter. And he reads to him the letter. And Mr. Zubavel listens to the words of the letter, does not say a word. Now, Rabbi Lisselbaim knows this guy very well. And he knows that Zubavel has something to say, he says it. And he says it very sharply and very pointedly and very abrasively. And if he's not saying anything, that means that he really is affected by what the Rebbe said. But he doesn't say anything. He just, in passing, as he's leaving, he says, can you please send me a copy of this letter? Send me please a copy of the letter. Said, okay, no problem. He leaves Mr. Zerubbabel's office. He goes back home to Kvar Chabad. He sits down and writes a letter to the Rebbe and tells the Rebbe about his encounter with Mr. Zerubbabel and how he asked nonchalantly for the letter. So the Rebbe responded that do not... Um, give him the letter yet with his nonchalant request only if Mr. Zerubbabel will look for an opportunity to meet you or he writes to you 
and he specifically asks for the letter, then do this. But till then, do not do anything about this. Do not do anything about this. So, and that also uses a very unusual expression. He says, I did my mission. I did my mission here too. In other words, Rebbe is giving, him, giving information over here to this Lisselbein, Mr. Lisselbein, that the Rebbe has a mission over here that he's been given from on high to tell this to Mr. Zerubbabel. And if he doesn't ask for the letter, Rebbe said, I, I did my job. I did, my, I did, I did what, I, what I was asked to do. Okay. So Mrs. Rubavel, um and Rabbi Lisselbaum do not end the meeting. In fact, Rabbi Lisselbaum made sure not to attend any family function in order they shouldn't encounter Mrs. Rubavel so that if, if Mr. Rubavel indeed really wanted the letter, he would have to reach out to him. So about a year passes. And when he, he comes again to Mr. Rubavel to give him matzah for Passover again, and in this time, when he, when he visits him, Mr. Bubble is very angry. He says, Yaakov Zerubbabel says to Rabdavid Avram Musselbaim, he says, why didn't you send me the letter? I wanted the letter. How come it is sent to me? So he, this, this was what he was waiting for. And of course, shortly afterwards, he sent him the letter. After this event, Mr. Zerubbabel came to Kfar Chabar wearing a kippah which was so, doesn't sound like a big deal, but coming from where he was coming from, this was a huge thing. And uh, he, um, he, he passed away um, he did, he, shortly afterwards, he passed away before the Six-Day War, so Rabbi Lissam and him, he did not meet again, but this was a very strong, a strong, made a strong impression on him, and many of his uh, grandchildren today are religious Jews, um, from because of this this uh, connection that was made because of the dream that he had lately. We don't know what the dream was, but <laughs> the one who knew, he, the, the, the sign that he needed to hear, he was given that sign. As the first story I want to share, I want to share uh, one more story, maybe two. Uh, this is a story about, on the same note, um, the previous Rebbe once had an audience with Rabbi Shleime Zalman Hecht al Vashalom, He's the oldest of the Hecht brothers who was sent by the previous Rebbe to Chicago. And the previous Rebbe shared with him the following story about his father, whose anniversary of passing was just this past Friday. He said that his father was working very hard to protect the Jewish people and Judaism in Russia in a very difficult time. And there were a lot of decrees coming from Petersburg, from Moscow, and his father had to travel to the higher echelons in the government to protect Jewish interests. And there was one meeting that his father was invited to that was attended by 70 other um, rabbis and also government officials. And among them, there was a Jewish lawyer who was also a government official, and he presented at this meeting his belief of how of how um, he thinks should things should change in Russia. One thing he said that should change is that there shouldn't be any more any um, issue with Jews marrying non-Jews. Jews should be allowed to marry non-Jews. What's wrong with a Jew marrying a non-Jew? And other things in that vein. The Rebbe Rashab stood up, and the Rebbe Rashab said 
Vikan Zain, how could it be as a Gaborni that a Jew who was born a Jew could speak in such a way? This man was thunderstruck. He was thunderstruck and he sat down and he started to cry. And after this meeting was over, he asked to speak to Rabbi Rashab. He spoke to him privately. And he was visibly affected by this encounter. And a short while later, he also, um, as in the first story, he made very, actually more than the first story, he made very strong steps in his Judaism to the extent that he became a fully observant Jew. And Rabbi Mendel Chaim of Shalom, who met him uh, years after, he said to him, what was it that happened in that encounter that moved you so much? So he said that when the Rebbe spoke, he was able to sense that truth was speaking. And because of truth, he, he just, he was, he was taken by the truth. As Rebbe Rashab once said, Far emes ver bottle. In front of the truth, everyone is, is um, everyone is, um, has deference, has, has, is, is, is humble before the truth. So there, the previous Rebbe shared the story to Shema Zalman Hecht, and he said to him, as Rebbe Hashab said before he passed away, I'm going to heaven, but my writing is, is you have my writings, I'm leaving my writings with you. And the, as the Rebbe explained, that what that means is not just that we have his writings, but wherever there are Hasidim living, said the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe is with them, and the Hasidim have to devote themselves to the Rebbe, by devoting themselves to him, they, they're able to also to accomplish anything. That's what the previous Rebbe told by Shem Hecht about his mission in, in, uh, in Moscow. In, in, sorry, in Chicago. Okay, one more story in the same vein. There was another writer, his name was Avigdor HaMeiri. Avigdor HaMeiri um, was also a very noted uh, writer in Israel. He was born in Hungary in... Uh, 1890. He learned in the, in the Yeshiva Sofer in Pressburg in Czechoslovakia, but he left Torah Mitzvahs and he became a very um, uh, noted uh, writer. And um, he began um, talking to a chassid, his name was Mary Blazinski, in 1940. Um, Rev. Mayor Blazinski came to the Miri household to sell bread. And the Mr. Uh, Meiri says, well, I am the noted author of Vigdar Meiri. And um, so basically they, had a, they, they began studying together. And Vigdar Meiri was learning with, with Rameir Blazinski and he was trying to soften his position, many of his positions on Judaism, Jews and Judaism, and he was successful uh, to some extent. But more than that, um, Rabbi Blazinski um, inspired M- M- Mr. Meiri to travel to the Rebbe. He wrote among his, among his heretical uh, books, he wrote a book about, a terrible book about uh, some Jew, a rabbi who committed suicide, you know, a fabricated story about a rabbi who survived the Holocaust, committed suicide. A horrible book. Ever actually writes about the book. It was hard to read the book. And it's some, a book that, 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 that caused a lot of pain. Anyways, he visits the Rebbe, and the Rebbe asked him a very interesting question. 
a question that really made him think. They asked him, what are you giving the youth? What are you giving the youth? And so this, um, this question caused him to change his whole attitude in life to being, you know, the intellectual who wants the answers to being the guy who is looking to answer the question, what's his role? What does he need to do to help young people? And uh, Rabbi Blazinski and he um, worked together to help him define what he could do to help young people. And actually, the Rebbe himself, when Rabbi Blazinski visited uh, the Rebbe to receive wine for blessing, the Rebbe asked, please send wine to this uh, Avigdor Hamiri. Anyways, the point of all these three stories is, is that in every generation, there is a tzaddik who has a connection with every single Jew and knows the way to the, each Jew's heart. And uh, just like we read in this Torah portion, that Hashem calls unto Moshe. He calls to Moshe's name with love and reaches out to Moshe. And so to every generation, Hashem gives the Moshe of generation the, 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 the tools of how to reach every Jew's heart. And this is what the Rebbe is doing through all of his emissaries throughout the world, reaching out to all the thousands and millions of Jews throughout the world. And uh, we need to be part of it. We need to be part of the mission and ask the question to ourselves, what are we doing for the young people and how can we uh, find another Jew who may not have a place to go for the Seder, who may not have matzah yet, and to help them feel the joy and happiness and beauty of our heritage. So I want to share and have a wonderful good vach, a